We are on Yevamos Kuf Yotes Amabez 119b. As we are in the middle of the Gemara's analysis of uh, the opening Mishnah of this parak, of this chapter. And so the Gemara is continuing to analyze the first line, the first case of the Mishnah. And if you recall, the case of the Mishnah is a case where a husband is married to two women, he has two wives, they are co-wives to each other. One wife stays back at home, the other wife travels with the husband. Uh, they travel ab- abroad and they're traveling and witnesses come back to the wife who stayed at home and says that your husband died. Now, they didn't have any children. The question is, though, uh, there is a brother-in-law in the picture. They didn't have any children. Uh, the question is, is she allowed to do Yibam? Is she not allowed to do Yibam? So we say, she can't do Yibam. Why? Because uh, maybe the co-wife who traveled with the husband had a child while they were traveling, and the co-wife did not return, so we don't know whether or not she had a child. Maybe she had a child. If she had a child, so then there would be a prohibition to do Yibam. You would not be allowed to do Yibam. One cannot just marry their brother-in-law if it's outside the context of Yibam. So maybe the co-wife had a child. Maybe they had a child while they were, while they were traveling abroad. In addition to that, she also can't get married. She's not allowed to get married because in order for her to get married, uh, it is also a chance that the sister, that the co-wife did not have a child. If the co-wife did not have a child, the co-wife that was traveling abroad, so then there is an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza. And since she can't do Yibam, so she also is stuck. She can't do Yibam because maybe the co-wife had a child and she can't just get married to somebody else because there's a prohibition to marry somebody else until you do Yibam. Or you, do, or you do chalitza, but there's a prohibition, and she can't do yibum. So therefore, she's really stuck because maybe the kohen had a child, and then there's you're not allowed to do yibum. Or if the kohen didn't have a child, she also uh, can't get married to whomever she wants because then she would have an obligation to do yibum. But she can't do yibum, so she's really, really stuck. Uh, so the gemara is going to ask the obvious question of what about chalitza? We know that there's a way out of yibum. Yibum is to get married to the brother-in-law. Chalitza is an alternative option. Uh, perhaps a secondary option, but it's a, it's an alternative option to essentially uh, it's some form of a, of a divorce, of a separation from your brother-in-law. And what's wrong with that? You can perfectly do that. Whether or not there's an ob- even if you say there's an obligation to yibum, you could do chalitza to get out of it. And if there is no obligation to yibum, so then the chalitza is just extra. There's nothing wrong necessarily with doing chalitza if it's not necessary. Uh, so why can't they just do chalitza? So perhaps we'll see that maybe there is something wrong. But let's see. The Gemara says, I don't understand. Villa Olam. Is it really true that forever? You're going to tell me that forever the co-wife that stays back at home could never get married and can never do Yibam? I don't understand. Why can't she do Chalitza? Let her do Chalitza. Chalitza is the way in which she separates from her brother-in-law. And then she could, then she could uh, get married to whomever she wants. So the Gemara has two answers to this question. Amr Ziri Ziri says, you know what? It's not forever. For the co-wife that is traveling abroad and she knows whether or not she has a child. So she just has to wait three months. You always have to wait three months. After uh, a person's husband passes away, the relationship ends, a divorce. So you have to wait three months in order to remarry. That's the general rule. With regards to the co-wife that stays at home, well, it doesn't mean the mission doesn't mean forever. It means wait nine months. Why do you have to wait nine months? 
you have to wait nine months for the following reason, because you have to if you do if you did a chalitza during the nine months, there's cons- there's a concern that you know what maybe the co-wife is pregnant. She didn't have a child yet. She's pregnant, and if she has a child, so this is something that we had earlier in the tract. That if she has a child, so then it's not the chalitza which you do during the nine months, which uh, allows the the other co-wife. The wife who did the chalitza to then re- to get married to whomever she wants. It's not the chalitza that, that allows her to get married. It's the fact that the co-wife has a baby, has a baby. And that baby, it could be that that baby only comes into this world, she only gives birth after nine months. And so there's a concern that if she did chalitza during the nine months, she might go ahead and marry somebody else. Well, she's not allowed to marry somebody else until if there's actually, uh, a, a baby that comes out of this after nine months, uh, and the, the other co-wife has a child after nine months, uh, so then it's not the chalitza which allows her to marry, it's the baby, and so really she's not allowed to get married until the baby's born, because the chalitza is really meaningless retroactively, and so she has to wait till the baby's born, uh, and as such, you really have to wait nine months. So we recommend, says that you read, it's not forever, but she has to wait nine months. After nine months, she's allowed to head, go ahead and do chalitza, because either the co-wife had a baby, and then she's totally exempt from doing Yibam or Chalitza. And if the co-wife didn't have a baby, so she did Chalitza, and then she could go marry whomever she wants. She's out of this relationship between herself and the brother-in-law after her husband passed away without any kids. That's the first approach of Zairi. Rabbi Hanina says, no, Amar Rabbi Hanina says, no, really, it means when we say forever, it means forever. That she can never... Do Yibam, and she also can't get married to whomever she wants until she finds out whether or not her, her co-wife has a child. If she never finds out whether or not the co-wife has a child, then she cannot marry or do Yibam forever. So the Gemara says, I understand. Why can't she do Chalitza? What is wrong with doing Chalitza? There's no prohibition, seemingly, to do Chalitza. Let her go and do Chalitza after the nine months, and it's just out of caution. It could be that there is no obligation to do chalitza because the co-wife had a child. It could be that there is an obligation and you did chalitza and then that's fine. And then she can marry whomever she wants. She's out of the relationship with her brother-in-law. So the answer is Abaye Baravin, Rabbi Chanina Baravin, Namr Tarvayu. These two rabbis, Abaye Baravin, the son of Avin, and Rabbi Chanina, the son of Avin, they say it together, this is the concern. Gezerah Shem Yevlad Ben Kayama, Matricha Kruz Lekuhuna. The concern is as follows. What would happen if she did chalitza? Let's say nine months past, she does chalitza. And then let's say years later, perhaps uh, she finds out that the co-wife who was traveling abroad actually had a child with the husband who was then deceased. But she had a child. So now that she has it, now that we know that she had a child, retroactively the chalitza is a meaningless chalitza. Chalitza is only meaningful if there's an obligation to do yibam or chalitza. But there is no such obligation because the co-wife had a child. Once the co-wife has a child, there's no obligation to do chalitza. So what happens if she did a chalitza? Chalitza is like a, a quasi form of a, of a divorce. So on a rabbinic level, we say if a, if a woman does chalitza, just like a kohen cannot marry somebody who's divorced, so a kohen also cannot marry somebody who did a chalitza. On a rabbinic level, they cannot marry somebody who did a chalitza. So there's concern that she did chalitza, but retroactively, after we find out that the co-wife had a child, that the chalitza is really meaningless, we find out retroactively that it's meaningless, and that she knows that it's meaningless, and she's going to go ahead and marry a Kohen. We're afraid that she'll 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 marry a Kohen, and we have to make an announcement to say, "Listen, she's allowed to marry a Kohen." The chalitza was meaningless. If the chalitza meant something and had halachic significance, she can't marry a Kohen, just like somebody who's divorced can't marry a Kohen. Someone who does chalitza on a rabbinic level can't marry a Kohen. 
But now we have to start making all these announcements to say that she's allowed to marry a Kohen because really the Chalitza was meaningless because the Kohen had a child. So we don't make that announcement. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. So make the announcement so that she can marry a Kohen. We should make an announcement and say the Chalitza was, was not halachically, um, didn't have any halachic uh, acceptance and she could go ahead and marry a Kohen. Let's, let us make the announcement. So the Gemara says, no. It's out of concern that people will know, there are certain people who will find out that she did Chalitza, but they won't hear the announcement that really it was invalid and really she's allowed to marry a Kohen. They won't find out about that. They'll see that she's marrying a Kohen. People will think, oh, someone who did Chalitza is allowed to marry a Kohen. They won't know, they won't find out about all the steps. All they know is that she did Chalitza. They won't find out that later on, uh, that there was this announcement that was made that the Chalitza was really invalid and she's allowed to marry a Kohen and people will get confused. They see that she's married to a Kohen and they will get confused and think that uh, someone who did a Chalitza is in fact allowed to marry a Kohen. And so therefore we say as a result of this, we see how, how harsh this is, we see as a result of this that she's not allowed to get married at all. She cannot get married at all, whether it's to a Kohen, even to Yisrael, uh, because we will not allow for the chalitza. We will not allow for the chalitza because maybe later on we'll find out that the chalitza is invalid. And we go to such extreme measures. I heard that perhaps the idea behind this is to go to such an extreme measure to say that she can't get married at all. Not just to a Kohen. She can't get married. She doesn't do chalitza. She can't get married at all. Is because of how strong we feel We feel about the concept of Ziyaf HaTorah, of the forgery of Torah, of how uh, if really she ended up doing a chalitza and then after the fact we find out that the Chalitza is invalid and she really is allowed to marry a Kohen, so then people that see this, it will be cause a Ziyaf HaTorah, it will cause a forgery of the Torah, that people will be misguided in terms of what the Torah actually means. And we have to be very clear and upfront about what the Torah means and the messages of the Torah. And Ziyaf HaTorah, the concept of of sort of forging the Torah and and uh, not being open about and clear about the Torah, what the Torah really represents, so that we take very seriously. Um, and we don't want people to have a misunderstanding of what the Torah represents. And so to, to over here, if she ended up doing chalitza, and then after the fact we find out that really it was invalid and it was like uh, retroactively it didn't take place, so then people will have a misunderstanding of what uh, of what the Torah wants. People will think that somebody who did a chalitza is allowed to marry Kohen, which is not true. And because of that, we want to make sure people understand what the Torah is saying. And so therefore will say, don't do chalitza at all. Better that she doesn't get married. She can't do yibam. She can't do chalitza. She can't get married to whomever she wants. She's stuck. Better that she's stuck so that people have a clear understanding of what the Torah really represents. So the Gemara now is about, again, all this, just to keep in mind, is only according to one of the two opinions. We quoted Ziri and we quoted Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina took this opinion. Ziri said, no, you could do chalitza. That we're not concerned for this. You could go ahead and and do chalitza. So these are, this is just one opinion of the two different opinions that were quoted. The Gemara now questions, continues to question this opinion. The Gemara says, Tanan, what do you do with the following Mishnah? The Mishnah that we had earlier in the last chapter. The Mishnah says, Nitin li ben b'bedina sayam. V'amra, meis b'ni v'achakach b'ayli, ne'amenes. Meis b'ayli v'achakach b'ni, e'ne ne'amenes, v'choshin l'dvareha, v'choletzes v'lo m'sevemes. The case is as follows. She went off, there's only one wife in this case, and she's traveling with her husband. And then she comes back to court, and only she comes back, and she says, you know what, we didn't have a child going in, and I should really be obligated to do Yibam based on the status quo and what you thought originally, that if my husband died without kids, that I should be doing Yibam. 
But I had a child when I was traveling abroad with my husband. I had a child. I gave birth to a child. However, the child died first, and then the husband died. So in that case, she's believed. Why? Because status quo before she left was that she has to do Yibam. She didn't have a child. She has to do Yibam. Now that she claims that there was a child. However, the child died first. And as a result of that, at the time that the husband died, there were no children. They had a child, but the child died first, tragically. And then the husband died. So she's just maintaining status quo. So she's allowed to maintain status quo to say that there's an obligation for Yibam and we will trust her. However, if she says that her husband died first and then her child, she's the one that tells us that she had a child. We had no idea that she had a child. And she tells us, you should know, my husband died first and then my child. So I am exempt from Yibam. Then we're very nervous because maybe she's only saying all of this because she really doesn't like her brother-in-law. And she doesn't want to do Yibam with her brother-in-law. And so she, she made up this whole idea that there was a child and the husband died. At the time that the husband died, there was a child, so there is no Yibam. And then the child died. And so maybe she's making all of this up. So as, as a result of that, we are concerned that uh, she's trying to get out of Yibam. So we have this concern that she's trying to get out of Yibam. And so therefore we say that she still has to do Chalitza. She has to do Chalitza because maybe she's lying about all this so that she gets out of Yibam. So we say you have to do Chalitza. She definitely cannot do Yibam because according to what she's saying, with her own words, she's saying that she's exempt from Yibam. So she cannot do Yibam. However, we tell her, go ahead and do Chalitza. That's the story. What does that have to do with our Gemara? The Gemara says, Let's say she does Chalitza. And then we find out later on, let's say a year later, we find out, you know what? She really did have a child. And at the time of the husband's death, the child was alive. So really, there should be an exemption from Yibam. And really, retroactively, the Chalitza is invalid. Essentially, this was a Chalitza that took place out of a, out of a, a questionable scenario. We don't know the facts. Uh, and it'll be revealed to, it could potentially be revealed to us later on. She tells us that there was a child at the time that the husband died. We're not, we don't know. We don't know. We have to be concerned that maybe she's lying. However, so she does Chalitza. However, afterwards, we find out that really she was telling the truth. And, and the Chalitza is invalid. Shouldn't we have the same concern to say that, uh, we, that we don't want to make this announcement that the Chalitza is invalid because people won't find out about it. People will only hear about the Chalitza. They won't hear about the second announcement that it's really uh, an invalid chalitza. Don't we have that same concern like what we had uh, that we just mentioned? So there's two answers to this. Amr Papa Bigarusha. Answer number one is that we're talking about a case where she was already divorced from a previous relationship. If you're divorced from a previous relationship, so <laughs> there's no way she's marrying a Kohen. Not happening. She's not going to marry a Kohen. It's not, you're not allowed to marry a Kohen. And so therefore, the fact that she does chalitza later on, and we're not sure whether it's valid or invalid, it's not really going to have any practical difference because she can't marry a Kohen anyways. So th- you're never going to come to a situation where she's married to a Kohen because the Chalitza was, was proven retroactively as to be invalid. No, she can't marry a Kohen anyways because she was in a previous relationship where she got divorced. So she can't marry a Kohen. So what happens in this relationship, whether there's a Chalitza, the good Chalitza, bad Chalitza, it doesn't make a difference vis-a-vis whether or not she can marry a Kohen. Alternatively, explains the Gemara, Amrar Ravchia Bered Ravhuna Amar Baramra Ani Bamara. Alternatively, if she comes to court and she says, you should know, I had a child and the child was alive while my, uh, at the time that my husband passed away. So therefore, I'm really exempt from Yibam. But she says, you should also know that nobody ever saw us. We, there are no witnesses, absolutely no witnesses that saw the child, that saw my husband. No witnesses whatsoever. So then we say, you have to do Chalitza. Why? What's the concern? That after Chalitza, witnesses are going to come and they're going to tell us 
uh, that it's really true that she had a child, and really the chalitza is invalid, there is no such concern. She told us there are no witnesses. They were locked up, they were hiding in a cave. Nobody saw them. Nobody saw this child. So therefore, because it's such, uh, it's highly, highly unlikely that somebody's going to testify about the child, therefore we allow her to do chalitza. That's the case that we allow her to do chalitza. According to this, we allow her to do chalitza because what's the concern that maybe witnesses are going to come later on and say the chalitza was invalid because she had a child? No! Nobody knew about it. Nobody's going to come testify in court. And since nobody's going to testify in court, so therefore we say you're allowed to do chalitza. She could, in fact, uh, do chalitza. Okay? So that is the end of the Gemara, and we will begin a new Mishnah in the next recording. The next Mishnah is really the beginning of a fascinating topic uh, about... Um, uh, again, it's it's also about uh, who could testify. That will be the next mission about who could testify about the husband dying or about the brother-in-law dying. And then the next mission after that is going to be a fascinating topic on uh, situations of, of how much evidence do you need, not just who could testify, but how much evidence do you need to prove that somebody actually died when it's a case of, of quite a, a very difficult case where we don't know whether or not they died, they're traveling, something falls on them, um, different scenarios where we're not sure. Um, and so therefore, uh, how much evidence do you actually need? So that will be in the next Mishnah. But again, today we discussed uh, why it is that, is it, could we do Chalitza, could we not do Chalitza, is a dispute in this case where we're not sure whether or not the co-wife has a child. Uh, some say that you could do Chalitza, others are say that you can't do Chalitza because maybe the co-wife had a child and it'll retroactively invalidate the Chalitza. She'll marry a Kohen and people will then all of a sudden, uh, there'll be people who are concerned and say, ah, she did a chalitza and she's married to a Kohen. We know that that's not allowed. Or maybe now we know that it is allowed. They'll try to prove from there that it is allowed. So because of that, <coughs> we tell her not to do chalitza and she has to wait until she actually finds out whether or not the co-wife had a child in order to then do either yibum or to marry somebody else uh, to be totally exempt from yibum. Uh, so that's what that's what we tell her to do, to wait until she finds out. So that, that was the dispute. Is she allowed to do chalitza after nine months or... Does she in fact have to wait um, uh, to find out whether or not the co-wife had a child or not? Okay, we'll continue with the next Mishnah, new Mishnah in the next recording.